0: R E A R E A R E A R E N audio R E A audio R E A audio R E A audio audio
1: audio Audio. R E A audio reemployability
0: reemployability season two season two season two
1: what's your hobby mine is running I love to run you know I feel energized afterwards and it gives me time to clear my head and think creatively. I come up with a lot of these intros at 5.30 in the morning, dodging armadillos and dripping sweat in the Florida humidity. So as I was taking my normal route this morning, watching the sun rise behind the early morning haze, I was thinking about this week's podcast. What if, in an instant, everything in my routine changed? What if I couldn't do what I loved, the way that I love to do it anymore? How would I handle that? Olga Dominguez is a very special woman with a super inspirational story. She's a patient advocate for new life, brace, and limb, and a new friend, too. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how life puts people together in crazy ways for all the right reasons. Olga lost part of her leg because of an illness some time ago, and she shares how losing a part of herself has finally made her whole. Olga, thank you so much for joining us on REA Audio. It's, it's a pleasure. It's kind of interesting how we met. I could have told you maybe three weeks ago that never did I think I'd be having this conversation with you. But we kind of met by chance at a, at a conference in Texas. And, uh, and now here you are. So thank you so much for hopping on and joining us on REA Audio. Yeah, thanks for
0: having me, Todd. I'm excited to be here.
1: Absolutely. So, you work for New Life Brace and Limb. Tell us a little bit of the background as to what you do. What is New Life Brace and Limb, and then what do you do there?
0: Yeah. So, so New Life Brace and Limb is a prosthetic and orthotic company in Houston, Texas. Um, and so we also we do have an office in San Antonio as well. But we have you know four locations in Houston and. We um, do head to toe bracing. We do custom and off the shelf. Uh, We do orthotics, so like diabetic shoes and inserts, and we do prosthetics. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing we do is the prosthetic. So you know, amputees. You know, we get referrals from doctors, and we go start visiting them in the hospital as soon as they have their amputation, and we follow them through that process. And then when they're healed and ready, we build the prosthetic for them.
1: So you work with people that have suffered amputations. For all kinds of different reasons, whether it's medical reasons or accident or injury, correct? Is there a percentage? Is correct, there a yeah. percentage that you you handle more of?
0: Um, so just overall, um, most people have amputations due to you know vascular issues, diabetes. Um, we do have trauma patients, but that's not the largest percent of. of you know, people who have lost their, their limb, whether it's their arm, upper extremity or lower extremity, um, most people are amputees due to either vascular diabetes, um, you know, some sort of health issue.
1: You know, that's that's really surprising to me. I would think that in today's world, with medical advances the way we have them, that um, it would be more through injury and not so much through medical conditions and, and, and situations like that. But that's not the case. Yep.
0: No, that's not the case. Yeah, and I learned that cuz every year we have limb loss awareness month. And so they always send out this form of like the percentages, you know how many, you know, what's the percentage of people losing a limb to cancer and and you know, cancer and trauma are the lowest percentages.
1: Wow. That's that very surprising. Now, what do you do yeah. at New Bright? The New Life Brace and Limb?
0: Um, so, so recently, um, I just got a promotion. So, I'm doing more of a um, liaison, a marketing role, which I love. Um, but my, you know, I'll always be a patient advocate. So, you know, my title is patient advocate slash marketing liaison. So, um, you know, as a as a patient advocate, you know, I am an amputee. So, I'm a left below the knee amputee. So, um, you know, my job is to advocate for others, you know, whether it's directly with the patient, I'm working, you know, directly with a patient, or whether I'm, you know, going to see doctors and saying, you know what, I'm going to take care of your patients. I'm going to advocate for them. Um, I'm going to make sure they're taken care of, you know, because for me, it's personal, you know, I- I'm missing my limb. I know how I want to be treated. I know how I want my prosthetic to fit. And so I think that's kind of, actually, that is definitely what which separates us from the rest of the prosthetic companies is all our patient advocates here. We are amputees. So we've been through it. We get it. Like we can really relate Mm -hmm. to the patient.
1: So when you say advocate, are you advocating? So you're talking to the doctors, are you advocating between the patient and your company or are there other third party vendors or agencies that you're advocating for? What does that actually look like?
0: So what that looks like is, basically everything so you know starting with the patient at the hospital you know most people don't understand how the how the whole system works you know it is always patient's choice you know the doctor the therapist these nurses they're working for the patient you know the patient i think feels a lot of times intimidated and they feel like um maybe they have to go where their doctor tells them to go so their doctor might say you know go to Prosthetic company, number one, you know, the patient, it's like buying a car. The patient needs to shop around. They need to do their homework, their due diligence, and they need to pick the best prosthetic company for them. Not because somebody told them, whether it's their doctor or the therapist, but it's a decision that they should make. So when I say I advocate for the patient, I want the patient to understand how this really works, that they go where they feel comfortable. You know, I want the patient to understand when they come to our office, if they're not getting what they need, they need. I want them to call me and tell me, because I'm going to make sure that we, you know, anytime somebody doesn't get what they need, that's an opportunity to shine, right? So I'm going to make sure that we fix it, we get it right, and, and we take care of our patient. Because again, for me, it's personal. You know, we want that prosthetic fitting them, you know, right. We want them to be independent again.
1: Mm-hmm. How, so what is the time frame between when somebody loses a limb and and can actually be fitted for a prosthetic how does that
0: work okay that's like the number one question everybody wants to know as soon as you we meet them for the first time they're like when can i get my leg Yeah. Um, and unfortunately there's no like specific answer it really depends on the patient so a lot of times if they're diabetic they're going to take longer to heal Then you know, if you have a 21 year old that lost his leg in a car accident, he's got youth on his side, he's healthy, he's young, he's probably going to heal a lot faster. But in a perfect world, you know, if you're a below the knee amputee, you know, once those staples come out, which, you know, amputate your leg and let's say the staples will come out four to six weeks later. Once those staples come out in a perfect world, you know, you could be walking out our door with your prosthetic in four weeks. Wow. Um, You know, is it below the knee? You know, above the knee is a little more difficult. That could take, you know, six to eight weeks. Um, You know, but you have all these other factors like insurance. You know, maybe insurance is going to deny it or we need better notes from the doctor. So, you know, there can always be a hiccup or the patient fell or, you know, there's, you know, it's never a perfect world, but, you know, it just depends on the patient.
1: (laughs) You know, I, I don't, there's so many things that happen out there with regards to insurance, you know, whether they accept or deny. And there's so many things that are like unobvious, right? That's difficult to prove to the insurance company that you need something. To me, an amputation, it's like it's you what what are you not seeing?
0: <laughs> you would think yeah. that it is shocking, shocking yeah. some of the denials and even even not only with insurance, but like with um you know, when people are trying to get disability, I mean, they're missing a limb and and they're not disabled. So, you know, you know, so yes, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, getting the right paperwork, having the doctor write the notes correctly, you know, certain verbiage and stuff. So, um, yeah.
1: Well, Olga, one of the reasons why I asked you to join us on REA audio was because as I mentioned earlier, we met by chance at a conference in Texas a few weeks ago and uh, we had breakfast together. It was wonderful. And, Um, during our conversation, you mentioned that you were an amputee. And and I got to say, I had absolutely no clue. I mean, I know we were sitting next to to each other, but I didn't notice anything until you mentioned that. You are obviously not in any way, shape or form disabled because of what you do and how you get around. and, And I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Now, do you mind sharing your story a little bit? How did you come to be in the position that you're in?
0: Yeah, no, I'd love to share my story. Um, You know, every time I share my story, it it helps me heal. And hopefully it'll help somebody else as well. Um, So in in 2015 is when I I lost my leg, May 10th, 2015. Um, But a year prior to that, I was really sick. So, you know, I had been in and out of the emergency rooms. I had been to specialist doctors. I would just get this horrible ache in my leg, um, almost like a muscle ache um and then some days I couldn't even walk so you know for a year I had I couldn't work um because I wasn't I wasn't dependable I I didn't know if I was going to show up to work or not um and it was basically I would go to an ER and they would drug me up and send me home it it was just just kind of nobody knew what was wrong with me um until one day my foot turned like a block of ice and my toe had a purple dot on it Mm -hmm. and I was just is screaming in pain. Um, so we went to an emergency room, and same thing happened. They doped me up and told me, you know, we're going to send me home. And I remember grabbing onto the ER doctor and begging him, please don't send me home. And and they did. And so I told my boyfriend drive to the next hospital. And so we did, and um, we went to Memorial Hermann, and they admitted me. I was in ICU, and I remember asking am I going to lose my leg? And and the doctor looked at me and he said, I can't answer that. Or I said, am I going to lose my foot? I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, he said, I can't answer that. Um, so I had many blood clots. It ends up, I had a blood clot behind my knee and I had many in my calf. Um, you know, I was a smoker. I, I smoked in high school. Um, off and on I'd smoke through college and young. you know, my young adulthood. Um, it was never anything that I, I was never one of those people. Was like, Oh, I'm going to try to quit smoking. I love smoking mm-hmm. and, you know, smoking constricts arteries. Um, and so that did not help, you know, it didn't help my case any. So, um, it was a three month stay in the hospital. They did not want to amputate. They said, you know, you're too young. We don't want to amputate. We're going to try to save your leg. Um, and it just got to the point where I, I literally was in so much pain. I mean. They had me on synthetic heroin, of fentanyl patches, mm. like, I mean, I was barely breathing, right. um, but screaming in pain still. And so at that point, I remember telling my mom, like, I want to die or get me out of this pain. And so they did amputate. And for me, it was such a blessing because the pain was gone immediately. Mm. I literally was up on a walker, popping up and down the hallway the next day. Mm. So it. it You know, my leg was so sick and it was just sucking the life out of me. Um, And so once that sick part of me was gone, I was able to have able to have a great quality of life, way Mm -hmm. better than the life I was living in pain because, you know, you just can't function like that. So Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's really the question I ask all our patients, you know, patients that are debating if they're going to have an amputation or sad about, you know, because it is a loss, you know, and, and you are going to be sad. That's normal. But you have to ask yourself, what's my quality of life? You know, that's mm-hmm. the big question.
1: Yeah. Did you have somebody advocating for you prior to your amputation?
0: So, you know, my mom was my biggest advocate. Mm-hmm. It always makes me tearing up. Uh-huh. I just can't think of life people like especially like during COVID that were alone in the hospital my mom never left my side for three months she stayed there We would have people bring her clothes I remember at one point the hospital just pulled in another bed for her like she never left Um, I don't remember the half of it because I was so drugged up and out of it that you know she was sponge bathing me you know she was you know I was going to use a a bedpan she was cleaning me like she just she was my biggest advocate and and i used to apologize for getting emotional but i don't because it's tears of gratitude um to have somebody do that for you you know and um i just knew that in my heart like i needed to pay it forward you know i needed to do something for other people whether they have family support or not like i knew that was my calling after that
1: Mm -hmm. so So in in your role now you visit patients prior to their amputation is is that right in in most cases
0: Um, yeah so all sorts of patients you know we have patients that's that's the best way you know if you can get if some if a doctor is like oh i have a patient we're going to do an amputation it's so thoughtful of them for, you know, to have their patient visit with us first because their patient's terrified. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can see me or my coworkers walking, working 40 hours a week, living a normal life, um, then it can give them some hope. They don't mm-hmm. go in as scared. But yes, you know, that's the best case scenario. Sometimes we see patients after amputation. Sometimes we see patients after they've gotten a prosthetic somewhere else and they weren't taken care of well. Um, so we'll see them then. And I mean, we've even had you know, patients that are homeless or non-funded, you know, we found funding for and we help them as well. So, you know, there's no right time. It's any time, you know, we have patients that have been amputees for 30 years and they moved from out of state and came here. And and so we're seeing them now. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just throughout their amputation, you know, it doesn't matter when they can always come to us.
1: What's the, what's the most frequently asked question that you get from somebody that is in the position of soon to lose a limb
0: um so i think the most frequently asked question there's two is how long does it take Mm -hmm. at you know to get a prosthetic um and does it hurt and you know does it hurt to wear it and um you know i think that at one time you know when i was a kid my cousin their nanny had a prosthetic and it was literally this huge wooden stump She, she was an above the knee. And when she would take a nap, me and my three cousins would steal it and hide it. We were <laughs> right. awful. Yeah. So I remember it took four of us to carry it, and we it was so heavy, like we could barely carry it. So I think at one point, prosthetics probably did hurt, and they were probably really uncomfortable. But that's not the case today. So you know, I always let our patients know. You know, it's it takes a little getting used to, but it there shouldn't be pain. If you're in pain, then that's a red flag and you need to let us know so we can make some adjustments and see what's going on. But no, it doesn't hurt. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a a big question. And uh, you know, the other comment I hear from patients, a lot of our patients are wound care patients. Like they've had wounds and they've been going to wound care for years. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've been avoiding amputation They're like, I don't want to get an amputation. And so every single one of those patients has, come back and said to me, my biggest regret is I didn't do this sooner, mm-hmm. just because they've been a prisoner to wound care. They've been going three times a week for three years, you know, whereas, you know, they they had the amputation, they're fitted with a prosthetic, if it's comfortable, they can live a normal life now. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, that's another comment, you know, not a question, but a comment that we get from a lot of our patients too. Right.
1: From a, from a mental standpoint, do you see a difference in people who have time to prepare for an amputation as opposed to people like like we're in the workers' comp world, right? So a lot of people that suffer amputations with it, like an injured worker, right? It's a surprise, right? They go to work one day and that afternoon or evening they've lost a limb because of an accident. What is the difference in how people approach that situation between being able to be prepared for it and not.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And so, yes, I think there is a difference as, as far as men, you know, mentally, emotionally. If, you know, if you're prepared, I think it's just it's a more calming experience. It's not as frightening. I think that's so important. However, in the cases that you're not prepared or you know you didn't know this was going to happen, there, there's also a route to take. And and so like, for me, I wasn't prepared prior. So in the hospital, my doctor prescribed a psychiatrist and a psychologist, and they came and saw me every single day for three months before my amputation, after my patient. So um, it was, it made such a difference. And that's one thing that, you know, I discussed with some of our physicians a lot. Like, it's so important, the emotional part of this, cause it is a loss and you have to mourn it like a loss and that's healthy and normal. But the, you, like any loss, you have that morning period and then you pick yourself up and you have to move forward because, mm-hmm. you know, the world's not gonna stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like having that either therapy, psychiatrist, psychologist, whether it's before or after you, your amputation is really important, mm-hmm. very.
1: We have a lot of insurance adjusters and risk managers who listen to this show because of the, you know, the nature of what it is that we do part of why i invited you on is because we're really really trying to make what we do in the insurance world more humane right people are not numbers they're human beings So if we have somebody listening right now that might be involved with an injured worker who's had an experience like yours or going to in the future, you know, the chances are you're going to at some point uh, if you're an adjuster or a risk manager, what advice would you give them on the types of questions that they should ask, the types of approaches they should take with people who've just suffered an injury like that?
0: Um, I mean, for myself like the first question I always ask is how are you doing like how, how are, you know How are you feeling how are you doing emotionally um, you know it, it's just it's such a broad question but when somebody else is asking it I guess for me it's a little different because I'm missing my leg so when I ask it it seems to they're more open to talk about it um, But yeah, asking those questions um, asking you know how they feel about that you know just kind of getting deep with that question you know how do you feel about the loss have you looked at have you looked at your limb you know have a lot you know it took me a long time before i would look at my missing limb um, those questions um and then a lot of patients are worried about what happens when they go home like how are they going to take a shower how are they going to get in the up the stairs so you know those are other questions that i think a lot of patients a lot of people amputees are very concerned about when there's yeah. after they just had an amputation, yeah. So maybe some of those questions would be good.
1: There's probably What's the a plan
0: for that.
1: There's probably a lot of things that occur that you'd never even think about, right? As an amputee, things that we all take for granted every day. That you're like, oh gosh, I, that that's weird. I can't do that anymore, or I can do that better now, right? So, what are some of the things that you identified as you came home and and integrated back into a normal life with your prosthetic leg?
0: Um, so, you know, once I had the prosthetic, things are pretty, I mean, things are pretty normal, besides the fact I can't jump out of bed and, like, you know, I have to kind of sit up and put my leg on in the morning. Right. But, like, prior to that, like, there's that period between your amputation and getting the prosthetic. And, and most people are either in a, in a, using a walker or crutches or a wheelchair. I think that was really the hardest time to, like, maneuver. You know, I would, I remember going to, a department store and trying on clothes. And I was trying to get in the handicapped dressing room and the wheelchair didn't fit. And it was mm-hmm. so frustrating, you know, or trying to get in a handicapped bathroom that we know isn't made for a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those things I noticed before I had my prosthetic, mm-hmm. um, you know, now that I have my prosthetic, we joke because I'm like I get all the the one legged perks like right. like the handicapped parking when I you know when I travel you know the airports I don't have to wait in line I go right to the front security they yeah. just scan me and, and push me through I don't take my shoes off
1: right.
0: so I call it like handicap privileges like we yeah. joke around I have a whole list um, but I think that you know I have to say once once you have your prosthetic I really I mean there's nothing I that I'm I'm not do I'm doing everything I was doing before and then more.
1: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Have you always been, I mean, you have a super positive attitude. That was the first thing I noticed when I met you and obviously notice it now. And I may have asked you this question, uh, but for the benefit of folks listening, have you always had that felt like you've been a positive person? Because obviously- the mental part of this, and in every time we talk to anybody that's been through any experience similar to this or other experiences, it's, it's the mental part that gets people through it. Have you always been a strong person?
0: Um, why don't you ask that? So, you know, I think I've always had, you know, a smile, you know, a positive attitude. You know, I've always been that happy-go-lucky person. Um, however, tough, I, I struggled a lot in, in my life, um, so I was never a good student. You know, I, you know, I'm ADD, but I didn't didn't know that then. So I always struggled in school. Um, you know, um, I didn't finish college. You know, I, I, you know, in my early, I guess, early 20s to late 30s. You know, I struggled with addiction. Um, I, I never excelled really, um, and. I definitely was not the same person I am today, and I have to say the loss in my life has made me who I am. Um, and I say all that because it's part of my story, like, you know, today I wake up every day and I'm like, I can't believe this is my life, like this is really my life that I get to live, like I get to spend every day serving God through serving others. Like, I Not many people can say that. Um, and then, you know, I, I think about all the things that had to happen to me and all the people that had to help me to get where I am today. And it's just, it's amazing. You know, it's really amazing. So I have to say that the losses in my life, my addiction, the loss of my, of my limb, they have driven me to be a, a hard worker, to want to pay it forward, to want to help others, I'm constantly setting new goals for myself. It, it, the losses have changed me. And I guess you could go either way. You could be really bitter or you could go the complete opposite. And And I've chosen to go the complete opposite. And so it's yeah. really been an amazing journey. And I have to say, when I lost my leg, I had nothing. I didn't have a job. I had 130 bucks in my bank account. Um, I was living with my parents and, and New Life Brace and Limb, you know, not only did they give me a job, but they helped me with funding. They put me through a state funded program. You know, I definitely wouldn't be where I am without, you know, their guidance as well. So I just think about all those things that had to happen in people for me to be here. But yeah, so yeah, I do have a positive attitude because I have a lot to be happy about too.
1: <laughs> it sounds you know? like uh, it's a great company to work for and to be with. And it sounds like you've really found your, your place, right? Not everybody finds yeah. their place. Uh, so I'm so happy for you and and it's been such a pleasure on, you know, I feel like it's such a blessing that we ran into each other. And, uh, I'm so grateful that you were willing to tell your story because this is exactly what we want REA audio to be all about. If anybody has any questions for you, anybody listening that may know somebody in a situation similar to yours or, or, or maybe in a, a similar situation, um, can they reach out to you somehow or do you know organizations that would be best for them to reach out to what, what would you suggest?
0: I would love for them to reach out to me. I, I love that. Like, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I'm, I'm an open book, so I'm here to answer any questions I'm here to guide them. You know, I do know resources for funding. I know resources for, you know, of course the amputee coalition is the biggest nonprofit for amputees. And, um, you know, but there's so many resources and people don't, you know, limbs are not a luxury they're a necessity right so everyone who's missing a limb should have a prosthetic whether they're a citizen whether they have funding whether they don't so yes absolutely they can reach out to me um and and ask any questions and i can you know put them on a path or direction you know direct them in the right the right way to help them okay how
1: what's the best way to reach you
0: um so we can do email and i can also i also have a work cell phone so i could do my work cell phone number and an email
1: yeah. Why don't you, if you want to just say your email address and I'll put it in the show notes so people can click on it and reach out to you if they need to.
0: Okay, great. My email is olga at newlifegraceandlim.com.
1: Very good. And we'll put that in the show notes. So uh, hopefully, if anybody has any questions and needs some guidance and resources, uh, they'll reach out. Olga, you have no idea what a pleasure this has been. You've made my day. Um, it's so oh, nice to see your mine. smile And it's it's been so much fun And, and I certainly appreciate it and, and so glad we were able to get together Thank you
0: Yes, thank you so much, Todd I really enjoyed it
1: listening to rea audio if you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode please let us know you can find us on twitter at rea audio podcast it's the best place for feedback and for show suggestions also please follow rea audio on apple podcasts or spotify or stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts you can also check out more content at listen to REA.com. if you have a story to tell or know someone who does please don't be shy email todd at reemployability.com or tell us on twitter at rea audio podcast i would love to chat with you have a great rest of your week